welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus. Tonight's message is one that we need to know. It is about the story of the golden calf. We're going through Exodus, and the way I started this series here on Sunday nights, we're going through the book of Exodus, but after we got through the Ten Commandments, when you get to the latter part of Exodus, you get into the different laws. So we're not going to go, we're, I'm skipping certain sections, but there's, um, so now you're probably thinking, Pastor, just uh, two, uh, two weeks ago, we were in Exodus 25. How do we skip uh, you know, all of this? That's why we're skipping seven chapters. Otherwise, you're reading about the different laws, uh, many Jewish laws that maybe uh, w- wouldn't pertain to uh, much of us today. But this story here about the gold calf is one that we need to know because I believe we find ourselves doing this. Maybe not so much worshiping a golden calf like this. I want to give you some background information. What's happening? Moses was called up a mountain called Mount Sinai. And he goes up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And the Lord isn't just speaking to him. The Lord is meeting with him in a cloud. God is meeting face to face with Moses. And he's giving him what we call in the Bible the law. That is where we receive the Ten Commandments. Much of Western civilization is based on the law that Moses received on Mount Sinai. You need to know the Ten Commandments. This morning I preached about honor. That comes from the Fifth Commandment. That wasn't something that just we made up. You should have a respectful attitude towards your parents, towards your grandparents. Honor, respect, that should be a part of how you live. If you have children, you're Children should honor you. And it's not wrong for you to demand that honor. Now, children we know are going to be children, but there comes a point where you say, I'm your father, you're going to obey what I say. End of discussion. That's it. You have the authority based on the Bible to cut off all discussion. We don't vote. We don't have a business meeting about it. It's it's one vote versus zero votes. That's how it should go. Now, We come to this section here, and the people are at the base, or at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and Moses is gone a long time. And it is amazing how quickly these Israelites, now understand, they were slaves. They had been under Egyptian authority. They were used to people telling them what to do. This is what you do. This is what you make. Here's your hours you work. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're free. They're in the wilderness, and Moses, their leader, who's, who's with God, whom God has been leading them through the Red Sea, he's gone for a long time. So what do they do? They, they get panicky. They get nervous. And they begin to worship an idol. They turn to Aaron, who is Moses' older brother by three years, and they say, Aaron... Give us an idol. Give us something we can see to worship. And in many times in our life, when there's a sense of maybe uncertainty, when you don't have 
uh, a sense of direction, it's easy to start getting sideways and reverting to maybe previous sins, maybe get, uh, getting involved in things that you know otherwise that are morally wrong. And you know it's wrong. But for whatever reason, uncertainty, lack of direction, sinful nature, you find yourself doing that. That is a golden calf in your life. That's a golden calf in my life. It's when we fall back to what we know. The golden calf was brought comfort to the people. Here's why. These folks had been in Egypt. They hadn't been out of Egypt very long. Just a few weeks. And all of a sudden, they're... They're by themselves. Well, all in Egypt, all they do is worship idols in Egypt. That's all they had seen was this idolatry. So when there's uncertainty, what do you do? You turn to the familiar. You go back to your bread and butter of what you're used to. And God is trying to say, you're, that, that's no longer you. You don't act and do that. That's, not, that's your old life. You now worship the Lord. We don't find ourselves doing idolatrous worship. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, he had been up there for 40 days, 40 nights, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. We have no idea what happened to Moses. Where did he go? He vanished. Aaron replied to him, you talk about a, you, he didn't make to, so much of a stand here. You talk about giving in the peer pressure, lightning round fast. This guy did it. Aaron replied to them. He doesn't even ask a question. Immediately he says, take off the gold rings that are on your ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Wow, you talk about a weak army. That's about how fast the Afghanistan government fell to the Taliban a few months ago. I mean, it was just an immediate collapse. This guy just didn't even put up a fight. He didn't even try to make a stand. He just says, start giving me your gold, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to make us an idol. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. and he took the gold from them, fastened them with an engraving tool, and made it into an image of a calf. Most likely, we know from idol worship back then, from archaeology, they took, they, made it, they took wood, a wooden calf, built a wooden calf, then they put the gold, they fastened the gold around the calf. In fact, I, brought, I have a picture from the sound team. I actually brought you a picture of a calf from National Geographic. This is most likely what it looked like. So the people were having a party. They're dancing. There's a golden calf that they're celebrating and they're worshiping. This is probably very similar to what it looked like back in, in, in Bible times. Then they said, latter part of verse 4, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. How sad right there. They're giving credit to false gods. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early the next morning, they arose, burned, offered burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. The people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. There it is. Just, uh, it, it, debauchery, immorality every, uh, everywhere. And 
And Aaron is leading the charge. The Lord spoke to Moses. So now back to God and Moses. We're up on top of the mountain. The Lord spoke to Moses, go down at once. For your people you brought up from the land, notice they're no longer God's people. He says, I don't want anything to do with these people. Moses, these are now your people. For your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of a calf. They have bowed down to it, sacrificed it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I've seen seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. God right there was ready to kill all these people. And he says, Moses, I'm so tired of these folks. This is the people I chose out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And here they are worshiping an idol. In fact, let's just wipe them all out and let's have a do-over. And now, Moses, you can be the man. I'm going to create a new nation with you because I'm tired of this stuff. That's your brother doing this. God is angry at idolatrous worship when He is robbed of His glory, when we abandon His teachings this quickly, you see the anger. He's already, he's already dropped these folks. They're, he's done with them. Moses sought, but Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, why does your anger burn against your people you brought? So now, no sword he used you. These are your people you brought. I didn't bring these people. You did this, God. You brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand. Why should the Egyptians say, He brought them out of the evil? He brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster plan for your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. That's Jacob. You swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give them that they will inherit it, the land that they will inherit forever. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster he said he would bring on his people. Moses pleaded with God. Look how he spoke to the Lord. Lord, these are your people. You called these people. If you destroy them, look what the Egyptians will say. Hey, God brought all these people out to the desert only for them to die. You made this promise. You said this would be their land. God, remember your great promises you made. Lord, you can't do this. Relent. Don't do it, God. God heard Moses' prayer. Do you know God hears your prayer? Just like Moses, when we pray to the Lord, when we not just pray, we beg the Lord. We cry out to the Lord. We remind God of Scripture. We remind Him of His promises. What does He do? He relents and turns from what he had planned to do. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets. Those are the, these are the two tablets of the testament. This is the Ten Commandments here. We're holding them with both hands of the testimony of hand. They were inscribed on both sides, inscribed from front and back. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was, in, was God's writing engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard, now remember, Joshua here, he's there with Moses. When Joshua heard the sound, 
of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, God is always in the business of discipling and bringing up a new generation. Moses is the elder wise man, and his assistant is Joshua. So Joshua was also on Mount Sinai. Now we don't know if he went all the way to the top with Moses, but he could have been in the vicinity, maybe went three-fourths of the way. Or he was nearby. We don't know the details, but he was right there. So he witnessed, he, he saw God speak to Moses. He was part of that. So now Joshua's kind of leading the way, and he hears what's going on. So he tells Moses, where Moses gets to the bottom, Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. It's not war. But Moses replied, See, Joshua, apparently, the reason why we think Joshua didn't go all the way to the top is because he didn't know everything that God had told Moses. Joshua thinks a fight's going on, a war. They've been up on the mountain. So now Joshua's kind of going down before Moses, but Moses says, no, it's not the sound of a victory cry and, and not the sound of a cry of defeat. I hear the sound of singing as he approached the camp. See, Moses knew what was going on. He knew the adultery. As he approached the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing. Moses became enraged and threw the tablets out of his hand, smashing them at the base of the mountain. That second commandment, do not make for yourself an idol. That's why he broke. They were worshiping the idol. The first and the second commandment, do not worship any other gods beside me. Do not make for yourself an idol. One and two were broken right there while they were receiving the Ten Commandments. That's how quick it happened. Moses takes these Ten Commandments and he throws them down and they shatter. He smashed them on the base of the mountain. Look at this. He took the calf they had made, he burned it up and ground it to powder. He scattered the powder over the surface of the water and forced the Israelites to drink the water. Meaning, he didn't want anything left of this, this idol. They ground it up, and then they made them drink this gold, this wood, this idol. Just to show, it says, you're going to eat this. You own this sin. That way there's no way for it to we dig it out of the ground and let it come back. He's saying, this is your fault. You, Israelites, are paying the price. Then Moses asked Aaron, I love this question here, what did these people do to you that you have led them in such a grave sin? Like, what did they do? Like, how on earth, Aaron, did it get this bad? What happened while I was gone? What did I miss? It's like dad's at home watching the kids and mama's gone and she comes back. How'd the house get trashed so fast? How did things go downhill so quickly? Aaron says in verse 22, Don't be enraged, my Lord. You yourself know that the people are intent on evil. They said to me, Make gods for us so that, we, that, that will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us from the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And when I threw it in the fire, this is just amazing. This sounds like a pitiful story. I threw this gold in the fire. And look what? Out came this calf. 
It just jumped out of the fire. I have no idea where this calf came from. This is what happens in life. This is like talking to a seven-year-old. I mean, just as a joke. Yeah, they just gave me this gold and I threw it over there. I don't know. You probably know a lot with ten kids about all this. This is what happens. Here comes the calf. So, you see how pitiful of an answer this is. And this is just childish that Aaron's even saying this. This isn't even a good lie. Like how nobody even believes if you're going to lie, at least say a good lie. We know a calf doesn't jump out of the fire. I mean, Moses, I can't even believe we're listening to this. Moses saw that the people working at this were out of control. That's the title of tonight's message. They're just out of control. Total out of control. Drinking, dancing, idolatrous worship. They don't even realize what that means, out of control. They aren't even aware that Moses has destroyed the calf. They're just literally in party mode, having no clue what's going on. You ever feel like our world, our, our city, our nation is out of control? It just seems like no one even knows right from wrong, even knows what's going on. You probably feel like that all the time. Out of control spending, out of control government control, just anything goes. No restraints on evil. That is what Moses is recognizing. He's looking at these people and think this is unbelievable. How on earth did it get this bad so quickly? That's what sin does. For Aaron had let them get out of control, making them a laughing stock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites gathered around him. He told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Every man fasten his sword to his side. Go back and forth through the camp from entrance to entrance. And each of you kill his brother, his friend, his neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded. And about 3,000 men fell dead that day among the people. He said, What are they just killing? The ones that were out of control. The people who were drunk, partying, out of control, they killed them just right there. So this, this, is, this is ridiculous. You can't behave this way. They were murdered right there. The, the Levites, the, the ministers, that's what a Levite is, they're killing the people for their out-of-control behavior, lawlessness. And it says here, the Levites did, verse 28, as the Moses commanded, about 3,000 men fell dead that day among the people. Afterward, Moses says, Today you have been dedicated to the Lord, since each man went against his son and his brother. Therefore, you have brought a blessing on yourselves today. And that, that's the blessing the Levites obeyed the Lord. They, they took care of They stopped this problem. It had, people had to die to see the consequences for this grave sin. And sin is grave. It's a sin against the Lord. The following day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a grave sin. Now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I will be able to atone for your sins. So he's going to make a sacrifice. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, oh, these people have committed a grave sin. They have made a God of gold for themselves. Now if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. That's the, that's the loving kindness of the Lord. When we've sinned against the Lord, He forgives. He erases our sin. 
the word erase means it's totally removed. God does not hold our sin against us. It is gone. It's like an eraser on a pencil. You don't see it. It's like clicking delete on a keyboard. You start typing something. Ah, I shouldn't say that. Then you click delete and it went backwards and you don't see it anymore. It's, it's vanished. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. See, my angel will go before me. The, the angel of the Lord is leading Moses by cloud and by fire at night. But, the, but, the, but on the day I settle accounts, don't miss this phrase, God will settle accounts. That's when we give, a, we give an account for our life. We have, to, we have to atone. We have to explain our lives to the Lord while we did or did not do something. I will hold them accountable for their sin. And the Lord inflicted a plague on the people for what they did with the calf Aaron had made. So not, not only did 3,000 people die, but God also sent a plague and many of the people suffered, continually suffered for this. He wanted the people to know, you do not make golden calves. Just when Moses is with me, meeting with me on the mountain, you don't quickly turn to your old former day of life. What's powerful about this passage here in Exodus chapter 32 is this isn't the only time in the Bible this had to happen. In fact, uh, we've got up on the screen here. It's 1 Kings. You don't need to turn to it. It's in 1 Kings chapter 12. After the sin of Solomon for having 700 wives and then worshiping their foreign gods, Israel split. They had a nation split from what we call a southern kingdom, which was led. These were the children of Solomon by Rehoboam. That was called Judah. And then the northern kingdom, Jeroboam. The people in the northern kingdom, what was occurring, they had to travel down to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. But Jeroboam, the leader of the northern ten tribes, he recognized that the people, they, he didn't want them to leave. Like they were leaving his nation and having to go to a sister nation that it split off from to worship. So he decides, I need to make some golden calves up here so the people can worship the Lord up here. They don't need to travel down there anymore. They can worship some idols up here. Look what it says. So this is about a king named Jeroboam. It's right after Solomon. This is the first kings after the nation split. So the king sought this advice. And this is what we call bad advice. When someone is giving you advice to sin, giving you advice to do things that break the Ten Commandments, that's called bad advice. So he received this advice. And here it is. Then he made two golden calves. Now you would think, they knew the story of Exodus 32. They knew. These folks knew what Moses and Aaron did and all the people that occurred on Mount Sinai about how Moses had to break the Ten Commandments. You know, they had to, he had to go back up there again for another 40 days to have a do-over, to get a second set of the Ten, Ten Commandments. Then he made two golden calves, and he said to the people, 
Going to Jerusalem is too difficult for you. Guys, y'all need to travel down there. Here are, Israel, here are your gods. Look at this. These are idols who brought you up from the land of Egypt. You would think the people would have known things. I can't believe this. We are, this is Sunday school stuff. We learned this story growing up in the synagogue. And here we are with a king making idols. I want to tell you, could that ever happen in America? Could idol worship be around the corner for us? You know, I bet Israel, I bet at this point, here's how, here's how far they had fallen. Rehoboam and Jeroboam, their grandfather was David. Their father was Solomon. Two generations passed. All of a sudden, you start to see how far the people would drift. David, King David, this never would have happened. But by grandchildren, it would have happened. You know, one of the neatest things, if you ever get to go to Atlanta, you need to tour the Chick-fil-A headquarters. Chick-fil-A was founded by a man named Truett Cathy. He's from Hapeville, Georgia, right next to the Atlanta, Atlanta airport there. And he started a little, a little place, and it was closed on Sundays. He was a member of First Baptist Church of Jonesboro. And he taught middle school boys Sunday school. He was a devout Southern Baptist. And he started this business later in life. But I toured the Chick-fil-A headquarters about seven, eight, nine years ago. And even our church took a group there and we toured it. Just fantastic, neat place to see. And they were telling us that most businesses that start by the father or the mother, the family business, they start out with values and they have a strong mission statement and that's usually indoctrinated in the immediate children. So... Like if Sherry and I start a business, we teach Daniel Jr. and Elizabeth, they learn the business, they obey their mother and father, they kind of, they follow up mom and dad. But when you get to the next generation, they were teaching us this on our tour, they said when you get to the grandchildren, all of a sudden, the values start to get shaky. You start to see changes with them. Luckily, and Chick-fil-A was aware of this, because Truett Cathy has gone to be with the Lord, and his son is Dan Cathy. I don't know who the grandson is after that. But they were aware that you just start passing the family business down to the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, and the values that were started by Grandpa are, are gone. Other priorities have come into the company. And that's what's happened here. Jeroboam, Rehoboam, these guys have lost what King David has taught them. You start to see shaky ground start to emerge. And now they're back to worshiping idols. I want to tell you, this can happen in our lives. Your life. If your children do not teach their children the Bible and the Scripture, they won't know it. They won't. You just can't assume people are going to do the right thing. In fact, our sinful nature says otherwise. We do the wrong thing. And that's what's occurring. 
Next Bible verse up here. It goes on to say, He set up one in Bethel and put the other in Dan. It's so sad about Bethel. Bethel is where God appeared to Jacob and, and renamed him Israel. God appeared to him. Now they're worshiping a golden calf. Two golden calves there. Now, keep going here. This led to sin. Worshiping anything other than the Lord is always sinful. The people walked in procession before one of the calves all the way to Dan. So they're taking it from Bethel, and then they're thinking, we're going to put another calf over here to Dan, and they're making it like a parade, a procession. You see the immorality that has occurred. Now, tying all this in with us, it's easy for us to read these stories and hear about this stuff that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. 4,000 years ago for Moses, 2,500 years ago in 1 Kings, or 3,000 years ago in 1 Kings. And it's easy for, for us to say, gosh, why would they do such? The reason they did it is because the moment we do not have the Ten Commandments, God's Word, God's law guiding us daily in our lives, even as a church family, as Broadway Baptist Church, if we are not guided by this book, we will find ourselves, just like the Israelites, worshiping idols. You, your children, your grandchildren, they do the same. Our sinful nature wants to, us to go back to the familiar. The familiar is what we get. We're saved from. It's what we're used to. And we have, a, we have a king of kings who has redeemed us from that. God's telling us, you don't go to the golden calf. God does not want us to be a people like Aaron to give in to peer pressure. To fall back on what we know. When we sin, we don't need to shift blame and we don't need to minimize sin. God holds us account. There was accountability for this. And just like in our personal lives, the Lord holds us accountable for sin. So this evening, you look at your life. Has there been any area in your life that you have reverted? Maybe there's old sins you have been, you've repented of. You no longer practice. But for whatever reason, lack of direction, no leadership in your life, no motivation, you have found yourself drifting to your golden calf. And for you, it might not be literally a golden calf. It's a, it's a sin that has been resurrected from the dead, that has been buried with Christ, but for whatever reason, it has come back and you are dabbling in it and God is saying, you need to repent. You'll be judged for it. He, he, he holds us accountable, but the great news is, He erases it from His memory. God, I pray for the folks this evening. I pray that we will be a people that do not revert to our old ways. Lord, we pray in boldness that we proclaim Your Word. Moses met with You. He held to Your law and he judged sin. And Lord, You, the Bible says, erased their sin. Lord, I pray that in our lives, our families' lives, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, that we are very conscious about instructing them and teaching them the ways of the Lord. Lord, we pray we are a church that stands on your word and we boldly proclaim it. God, during this invitation, if anyone here needs to make this their church home, make a decision to follow you. This is our night of responding to you, God.
thank you for bringing us to evening worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We always close our worship services with an invitation. So I want to invite everyone to stand up. I'll be standing down front. You walk forward. You can come forward. I'll pray with you. Some of our other deacons can pray with you. You can make a decision follow Christ. You can even join our church this evening. Gene?